Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, today we're going to wrap up our series on adversity becomes opportunity. We've already looked at David's life over in the Old Testament. We've even looked at uh, the Apostle Paul's life and the, the circumstances that he had walked through and he lived through. And uh, not, not only this, uh, but we're going to look through uh, the life of an influential man in the New Testament that really had an impact on the Apostle Paul's life. There was something different about this gentleman, and uh, not only this guy, but not only was this guy special, he was trusted and he was known by the 12 apostles. We know that from what the book of Acts tells us. His real name is Joseph, and uh, Joseph uh, is his real name, but his nickname is Barnabas, and most of us don't really think very much about Barnabas too much. Uh, we just we just don't. He, he's found mainly in the book of Acts. And Luke, who wrote that book, the book of Acts, uh, was a friend and a co-worker of the Apostle Paul. And so it is very likely that he knew Barnabas and probably knew him on a first name basis. Uh, you, you, may, you may have noticed uh, Barnabas when you read Acts, but... Maybe you focus more on the Apostle Paul because everybody thinks about that guy. Everybody knows he wrote, wrote so many different uh, passage or uh, books or letters and the scripture for us. But God was doing something big at this time. God was doing something in the early church. And the Holy Spirit had been pouring out uh, very early after Jesus uh, was uh, resurrected and was uh, ascended. And he had, he had commissioned... Uh, the body of Christ. He had commissioned the church to go out and to do the work that they were called to do, that we are called to do. And we find the, uh, the apostles preaching the good news about Jesus to everybody they could find. And basically what they were doing is it was, they were sharing their testimony of what happened with Jesus. They heard him teach. They saw the miracles. They walked with him at that time, and God even used them as well. And, and then they saw, him, they saw him die on the cross, and then they saw him once he was resurrected. They were there. They were in that process. And we find these guys just preaching the gospel. And they had been, they had, at this point, they had been holding up in Jerusalem. They had been waiting out. They're in Jerusalem. It was there where they had faced a lot of pushbacks by some of the people at the time. And and we know that Peter and John at one point had been preaching, and then uh, God used them to heal a guy at one of the gates going into the temple. And once that took place, it really kind of made some of the the local leaders pretty upset because it was taking their uh, people's focus off of them and their leadership and, but this thing was a major miracle at hand. And, and the opposition had uh, uh, John, Peter and John arrested. And uh, finally, the, the leadership said, told these guys, stop it. J- just quit preaching in the name of Jesus. Quit telling all this story that you have to tell people. And, but in spite of their opposition, God was working in, in a significant way and healing and saving the lives of many people. And so we we understand that God had inspired people to take care of those who were suffering and in need at that point in time. And this is where we enter the story. And this is where we jump into what the scripture says as we find this guy named Barnabas. 
and, and listen to the book of Acts here, and it says it in, in Acts chapter 4, should be on the screen for you, verse 33, or you can pull it up in your Bible or, or in your, uh, uh, your app on your phone, and it says this, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in, all, in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, uh, brought, uh, brought the money uh, from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone uh, who had need. Then uh, in the next verse there, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, who, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and, and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So he was there, he was involved in that. Barnabas was one of those who was involved. It may have been that you've, uh, for you in your life, you've witnessed God's work in the life of other people and the people's hearts and have found them doing things like helping others in a surprising way like Joseph or Barnabas did. And in fact, from what we know here in Scripture is that the apostles knew Joseph. They knew him. They knew him at least well enough to either call him by the nickname Barnabas or to call him Barnabas. I don't know which one it was. But here, this Barnabas was a son of encouragement. And we can also figure out some, something else here about this guy named Barnabas. So he was apparently at least, uh, you know, he had enough uh, ability because he gave the early church the proceeds from a, a, from a sale of a piece of land that he had sold. So he must have done at least okay. And, uh, and Barnabas must have had his priorities in place as a giver. He realized that uh, it was important for him to give back to the Lord, and that's what he did. And, and God was doing something in his life, and when, when God does something in a person's life, it gets a hold of all of us. It gets us even to the point of our wallet or our, our heart, our thinking, uh, what we value, what we, uh, and it affects us. And, and Barnabas, we see here from the passage something about him. He was a Levite. Uh, he was a Levite from Cyprus. Uh, and you say, well, I don't even know where that's at. I barely know where Kansas City's at. That's, I know, I, I get it. Uh, I get it. But, but he, he was from Cyprus. And as a Levite, he may have served as a priest at the temple. So because we know that the Levites uh, were a selected family of the Israelites that God had chosen to be priests. So it's possible. We don't know 100%, but it's very possible uh, that he was. And so, uh, in fact, uh, he could have either had duties within the temple or he could have had duties outside of the temple in dealing with the priestly things that they were required to do. And so, but the, in fact, the Bible says something interesting, and maybe you haven't thought about it much, but uh, over in the book of Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says this, should be on the screen, it says, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. 
Sometimes people don't think about that. A lot of times what they think about, and sometimes we preach about it so much, that's all we think about, is that all these religious leaders were opposed to everything that Jesus was doing. Well, no, it wasn't quite exactly that way, because you have Nicodemus in there. He was open to what God had. And there are others. You have Joseph of Arimathea. You have that guy coming to, to take care of Jesus' body after he, after he uh, was killed on the cross. And, and so you have several different people there, and now it's... and. This then the scripture is saying that a many priests came to be obedient to the faith, to follow Christ. So Barnabas may have been one of those priests who came to faith uh, in Jesus the Messiah. And maybe he, maybe he came to faith after Peter's sermon in Acts 2. We don't know. Uh, but what we do know is that Barnabas had some influence among the 12 disciples. Among those apostles, he did have influence. And also the apostles had some uh, influence as they shared their testimony about what Jesus had taught and how he had been raised to life. But something we need to be able to remember at a point like this is that all of their influence came in the middle of some great adversity. And the work of the Holy Spirit came in the middle of that great adversity as well. Now, now we're living in a time uh, of adverse circumstances. I think that all of us would agree with that. If you pay attention to the world you live in uh, at this point, we're, we're facing another cultural war in many ways. And in fact, from some of the things that have happened recently. And if you remember back, maybe you haven't, uh, maybe you weren't alive at that time, but maybe you know the history. Uh, if you remember back to the last uh, uh, cultural revolution, at least the one in 19, the 1960s, had a major impact in our world, major impact in many different ways, but also it had a major spiritual impact that took place, uh, some for the negative, but some for the good, because uh, many uh, call that time uh, in, the, in the church uh, the Jesus movement that took place. And I, I've known many, and, and some of you know right about, you know, you know that well, very well, and maybe you were part of that. But some regions were affected uh, differently than others when it came to the Jesus movement of that time and that, fra that time frame. And with it came a large charismatic movement that happened, which is considered the third wave of Pentecost, and, and how God was really working in the lives of people and touching their lives and helping them. So some key things were happening, and after some people were fed up with the way things were going, it made some people start questioning their own ideas, whether they were believers or not believers. And some of those ones who were not believers came to faith at that time, and God touched their lives. And, and it, it even op opened up many to the things, uh, many of the things that Jesus had taught. God was doing something at that point in time. My friends, we must pray again. We need to seek God and keep ourselves open to what God wants to do in the day and the times that we live in. Amen. It may be, again, that we're on the precipice of another work of the Holy Spirit. I don't know exactly what God will do. I don't know. But we must keep ourselves, our hearts, and our lives ready and willing to serve Him in whatever way He calls us to. We must also be ready to engage others as they ask honest questions. Because that will happen. One of the dangers of our culture today is usually if somebody responds to another, 
uh, that when the response goes back, it's really negative. That shouldn't be among believers. And that shouldn't be uh, for us when we engage those who don't view things like we, like we view them. We shouldn't degrade them or cut them off at the knees, right? But so many people have gotten so used to that, that's what they do. But that's not, that's not the way of Jesus. That's just not the way of Jesus. He, there, there were a few that he handled a certain way, but very few when it come to those who were not, when they were unsure of faith. He was careful. We, we have to be ready to engage the world. And adverse circumstances can set the stage for something which God wants to do. We have, to, we have a broken world who is hurting and needs solid answers. We don't need hype. They don't need it. They don't need religion. They need Jesus. And we need Jesus. We have to be able to separate some of those things out of there. And let's get back to Barnabas. Barnabas, this guy was from Cyprus, right? Must have been a nice place. What, Cyprus is an island. And, and, and it was a Hellenistic or a Greek, uh, a Greek city. And uh, so, or I should say he was a Hellenistic or a Greek Jew. But because of his background, he had a lot of things in common with the guy we know as Paul or Saul. And he was a native of the Greek city of Tarsus. And this also made Barnabas really one of those ideal people to communicate with both Jewish people and Gentiles. And he understood both of those cultures. And when God puts people in place, he knows exactly what he's doing. That's what he did for Barnabas. He appears to have been among the, the many Hellenistic Jews who, like Paul or Saul of Tarsus, had, had gone to Jerusalem to live. So they went there. They were Jewish, but they had, they had this background. And so, uh, you, you kind of, but you may wonder what Barnabas, uh, what kind of adversity Barnabas really faced. Well, he did face adversity. You read through the book of Acts, you'll find it over and over. We'll look at a couple things. But, but one of the first things that we want to consider is this. This Barnabas guy, he was one, the one man who knew the apostles and who introduced this fresh convert named Saul uh, to them. He, he introduced them. And uh, the very man who murdered early Christians, uh, that was Saul, and people were so scared of him that once they heard he came to faith, they still didn't, they still didn't trust him. They didn't believe him. Uh, and so they had a hard time with that. Could you imagine what it was like for them? And some of them likely thought it was just a trick so that he could infiltrate their camps and then tr try to take them out. And because we know what Scripture says. And so some of them probably were a little bit careful. And look at what Acts chapter 9 says. If you look with me in Acts 9, in verse 26, it says this. And when he, Saul or Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So they, they had their guard up, rightfully so, right? They had their guard up. And verse 27 says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken, uh, spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus 
He went up there probably to get some of the people and bring them back to have them thrown in the slammer uh, or otherwise. And so, but he ended up preaching for Jesus because God did something in his life. And this verse, verse 28 says, So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And he talked uh, and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, uh, those who had the Greek culture, and, but they tried to kill him. So things started to go south for Paul there. And remember, the only reason why they really came in there is because, because Barnabas opened the door. And then uh, we see here that last verse in verse 30. It says, when the believers learned this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So if it wasn't for Barnabas stepping into the situation here and reaching out and connecting uh, Paul to the, to the apostles right away, we may not have even received some of the letters and the, re uh, and the revelation that we have today in our hands. Barnabas was a man in the middle of the adversity who bridged the gap. He was a man in the middle of adversity that bridged the gap. And it may very well be that you are an individual in this adverse state that our world is in who bridges the gap with others. See, the pressure was on them. But he was willing to reach out and to make that connection. And we need to be the kind of people who are willing to bridge the gap with people in our day. Because there are those that are open and they are willing. We just must be willing to go to the place where they can understand. Just as God had chosen Barnabas, he's chosen you to make that connection with others. And it was at this point that once people tried to kill Paul, they... They had it out for him because they, they viewed him as a traitor uh, because of the whole situation. Here, here he was uh, throwing people in the slammer because they believed in Jesus. And now the Lord reveals himself to him, and now he starts preaching the gospel. Uh, and so these guys, they're not too happy with him. And so the early church accepted Paul as, as Barnabas introduced him and sent him off into hiding to protect him. And God knew that he was doing what he was doing in all of this, thing, all of these things that were happening, and it wouldn't have been easy. I couldn't imagine what it was like for the early church at that point in time. God knew what he was doing. Barnabas here, he, he stepped up and he made something happen. For us in our world, we must be ready at any time to step up and to follow our Lord and to see God do something. Barnabas seems to have been more highly regarded in Jerusalem than Saul was. We know that he was a believer before Saul or Paul, and for, for quite a while he led them. And also, although the, the indications are that they became close associates and friends, and it's possible they were relatives, and maybe that was his, Barnabas, that was his inroads with him, I don't know, but uh, Saul or Paul uh, returned to Tarsus where he, was, uh, where he was safe there, and then he could preach there. And the Christian leaders in Jerusalem then ended up sending Barnabas to Antioch because God was doing something there in Antioch. See, the church in Antioch grew quickly, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to bring uh, Saul to Antioch to help him. And we'll look at the passage there in a second, but uh, things, things were going well, and, and it appears that uh, Barnabas was overloaded. That's what it seems like. And adversity had been the 
been the start of this move of God. Isn't that what happens at times? Isn't it adversity sometimes that causes uh, everybody to be in the position where God can do the things that he wants to do? And instead of us whining and complaining at times, as we all do it, right? Then maybe we can step back and start praying in and saying, God, what is it you want to do? God, what, what, what is it you're wanting to do? And let's look at the second thing here. The second thing is this. So it's in the middle of adversity. And how, how does things start happening in Antioch? Well, it happens because of this. Because Stephen, one of the seven, right? Uh, Stephen, one of those seven, was murdered for his faith. And, may, and, uh, and many new believers left Jerusalem to protect themselves. They didn't want to be the next Stephen. And many of them left the area, that persecution, it spurred that on. And so they started heading out of there. And it was in the middle of persecution that God stepped into the, to the scene and he opened up some great opportunities. And we find it here over in Acts chapter 11, just a few more chapters over. And after they had left, I won't read the whole thing for you. It's, it's just too much, but you can go and read it this afternoon. And Acts 11 verse 20 says, says this. It says, some of them, speaking of those who are a part of the diaspora, they call it, or a part of the, those that were leaving the area and going elsewhere, it says, some of them, however, the men, uh, however men from Cyprus, Sounds familiar? And Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The next verse says, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. God was moving. God was using this pretty bad situation, and he was, he was moving, and this was Barnabas' specialty, really, uh, because he was a Greek believer and he knew the culture and then he could disciple those new Christians and help them to con and then also continue to proclaim the gospel. He knew the scripture. Remember, he's likely, he likely was a priest himself. He was at least from the priestly family. We know that. But the, the apostles took action, as we see there in Acts chapter 11, verse 22, which says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when they say that, they're, they're referring to the 12 at least, not just the church, but it's going to include the 12 apostles there. And, and they send Barnabas to Antioch, and God used the, the painful tragedy of Stephen's death to preach, to, or to reach people in a faraway city called Antioch. Even in Cyprus and, and Phoenicia and, and in those areas. And I don't know if you noticed it or not before. Uh, but, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will directly send people to do something. He does that. We know that. We have precedent in the scripture for that. And we, we know of those situations where God does those things. But, but then on other times, it's simply just the church sends people to do a work for Christ. And, and we see that as well. And as we partner with the Holy Spirit and allow him to work through our lives. And one way or the other, God, uh, God was working and had a plan, whether it was him telling people, I need you to go specific, specifically, 
or if it's the church body says, we feel like this is what the Lord wants you to do, and just go. And sometimes people think it must, not, uh, it must only be a direct word from the Holy Spirit to reach out. I know there are those like that, but that isn't always the case. I, I kind of like this. There's an old preacher, and some of you may have known, may know him. It's Lester Summerall. He's he's gone on to be with the Lord for years. But I remember he 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 would usually say this. He he would say uh, he already told us to go in Mark sixteen fifteen. Go and preach the gospel. So what in the world are you waiting for? See, that's the thing is, sure, there are times when maybe the Lord helps us or guides us in situations or, yeah, he says, yeah, I need you to do this now. Yeah, that, we understand that. But there are other times where we recognize we already have the mandate. The mandate is there. It's been given to us already. And whether it's good times, bad times, nice times, and poshy times are really bad, uh, we, we still have that same mandate. And the Lord still can speak into our lives, and he can help us to speak into others' lives and to help them and share the gospel of Christ with them. So waiting from a word from God to take action can kind of be like driving down the road and noticing your gas is almost running out. You can wait for your passenger to notice that the gas gauge is down and wait for them to tell you to put gas in. And I know it with gas this expensive that you may be running that way. It's tough, right? But on the other side of that, you can do this. You can recognize that the gas gauge is down and you have to put gas in. So you get it, you stop and you put the gas in and you move on. Sure, we, we always need to be aware of the Holy Spirit's direction in our life. There's no question about that. We see it at times when, when, when the Apostle Paul and his team were going out one direction and, and uh, the Holy Spirit said, mm, nope, not this way. Need you to change direction here. He'll do that. If we, that's why we stay open, right? We stay open to him and, and we allow him to minister to our lives and to guide us. But normally we need to respond to the situation that's at hand. Trust the Lord to lead you in the middle of it. Trust the Lord to lead you in the middle of it. Now let's look back at Barnabas. Barnabas, he arrives at Antioch. It wasn't, uh, uh, it, it wasn't bad. God was moving, uh, but the problem seems to be that Barnabas needed help. And so in Acts chapter 11, verse 25, it says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus, to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Then he goes on from there. Uh, uh, but we find that Barnabas is still the lead between these two guys, uh, from what we can tell. And so they, they both preached there, although Luke implies that Barnabas uh, was still the leader of the church there in uh, Antioch. And and Luke refers to it Barnabas and Saul instead of Paul and Barnabas, because later on it switches to Paul and Barnabas. And so we, we know that change happens there, but they both preached. And uh, when the Jerusalem church was suffering under a famine, this church in Antioch, what'd they do? Uh, of course, Agabus the prophet says, hey, something's going to happen, guys, you better get ready. So they, what'd they do? They got ready. And then as the scripture says, Luke writes it down and says, hey, in that time, actually a famine did happen. 
Uh, and you can go read that for yourself. Uh, and so it happened. And so what does the church in Antioch do? They sent relief to them. So Barnabas takes Paul or Saul under his wing and brings him to help this new church. Realize Paul wouldn't be at the place he was if it wasn't for Barnabas. He had a great impact in his life, and he, and he helped him, and yet uh, things did switch at one point, right? But, but all this started with the stoning of Stephen. The great things God did, it started uh, seeing people getting saved all over the world, started because of great adversity. In fact, Saul was on the opposite side of that stoning, wasn't he, in the beginning? But now Barnabas... Uh, brought him to teach among that very community of faith, the very believers that followed Jesus who, who Saul once opposed and killed. It made a full circle. I think we should learn something out of that. I think we really need to pay attention to those things like that because what that shows me is God is able to change every and any circumstances that he needs to and flip it around. And that's exactly what he did in this situation. And what started out as an adversity started out as in a, or turned out uh, into an opportunity for the salvation of so many different people. It can be difficult for us when we don't see all the big picture, right? It's, it can be challenging, when, but when we don't notice all the things that God is going to do in his timing and in his way, but he is willing to work and we need to be willing to follow him. And this is why it's so important for us to follow him by faith, even in hard times. Who knows what God may do in the end? We may be surprised. We may, be set, we may set back in utter awe and say, God, how in the world did you turn these situations around and use it for good? I, I can't even figure it out. And we'll probably go back and start looking and try to, we'll see little tidbits here and there and figure, oh, well, God did this, God did that, God put these there. And then he'll probably laugh to himself and you still don't see it all. <laughs> Have you ever uh, looked at a complete disaster of a house? And you look at that house and you wonder, what could ever become of that house? What, what could ever happen to that thing? Somebody just needs to tear that thing down and something that was abandoned and broken down. But then somebody saw the special uh, things that could come out of that. They, they knew that if they put the elbow grease into it, they knew that if they did that and if they put some funding in it, they could recreate that house to surpass even its original beauty. That's what God can do in our lives. He can do that in our lives uh, when we look to him. It may have looked like everything was on the trash heap, but God has a way to be able to put things together and to restore them. How in the world could God salvage anything good out of this? So many things in our world. How can God salvage anything yet with his vision for what can be, he puts things together only to restore what you never thought could be restored. About 20 years ago, I was in Europe and I uh, have some good friends that are in the small town of Chippenham in uh, England, in the southern part. And they said they're, they're Welsh, they're part of their family's Welsh by birth, and they said, hey, we want to take you over to Wales. And uh, so it was interesting. And so 
Uh, they took us over across the big bridge and got to go over there, got to see some of the castle things that they had, the ruins and stuff. And, and they, they, they were smart. Of course, they're believers. And they said, hey, we want to take you to this one place. And, and took me to the mines. We went down, what, 300 feet in the ground or something into the coal mines. And, uh, and so they took me to this one place and said, yeah, this was the place where they had a major catastrophe and a lot of people were killed there. And uh, it was at that place where somebody, uh, I, can't, I can't remember all the details, but somebody saw a vision of Jesus and he was weeping over all that had happened. It was in Wales where God poured out his spirit so strongly so many years ago. God touched the lives of so many people because some of those coal miners who ran the, the donkeys and stuff, they ran them down in the mines to be able to pull things. And, uh, they had been impacted so much they couldn't even get their donkeys to move for them uh, because or mules, whatever they were, because they wouldn't obey their commands because all their commands before had been cuss words. And once they came to faith, they, they started changing the way they lived and they started changing the way they talked. That's a true story. But I remember seeing that place over there. And, and I know that God can take disaster in our lives. And he can turn that around and work in our lives if we are willing to allow him. As we wrap this up this morning, you know, we look at Barnabas's life. We could go on and some of the things that he faced. Barnabas didn't only face uh, some victories, because he did see some victories. But he was, also, uh, he was also kind of just barely got out of being stoned. Paul was stoned, and, he just and they left him for dead over in Lystra. Uh, and, but but uh, this Barnabas, he got out of it, and he was able to get away. And it all happened after a guy was miraculously healed. And people thought, hey, these guys are gods, and they even call... They even call Barnabas Zeus, you know, one of the false gods of the time, one of the Greek gods. And so he, he wasn't pelted with stones, but Paul was. And then Barnabas, you look at his life, and he was a, he was a giving, influential guy who impacted the life of Paul and set the early church in the Greek world on a solid platform of grace. But it wasn't always easy for him. Even the struggles of the early church must have felt like the worst days of their lives. But in the middle of the opposition, God showed up. He showed up. He had never left them. Time and again, God took the things that seemed to be destructive in their lives. And those things that are hard to swallow. And he turned those things around. He turned them back around. And the opportunities that he opened up came from the adversities that the church faced then. As we wrap this up, don't, don't be discouraged when opposition seems to pop its ugly head up in your life. I, I would like to be the guy that says it, because I know some people say it. <laughs> I would like to be the guy that says it, that no, you will never have any issues. You will never have any things that you face. Jesus did not teach that. But what we do know is that we do face some challenges in this world and we have to let God continue to do the great work that he wants to do, whether it's in those, around those. Uh, but, but it just may be that the, 
adversity that has stuck its foot out to trip you, that it will help you discover the diamond that's laying on the ground when you land face first on the ground. You got to pray it through so you can see what God wants you to see. Pray it through so God can help you to see what you need to see. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we are a people of unclean lips. And we live among a people of unclean lips. That's what Isaiah said. Lord, restore your people. Father, put that coal to our lips and restore your people. Father God, we pray that today that you would help us to recognize the plans that you have. Help us to notice the open doors that you provide. And Father God, those things that the enemy has thrown out in front of us to trip us, Father God, or to hinder. Father, may you somehow turn those things around and be glorified yourself. Father, may, may we be the kind of people like Barnabas who are bridge builders, not bridge burners. Father, may we be the kind of people who recognize the fact that you desire to see people come to faith and hope in Christ Jesus. May, may we be the kind of people that are willing to set aside our own desires and our own wants that you may do in us and through us what you want. May we be the kind of people that are willing to open our hearts to you in troubled times. And when the times become better, that we won't walk away like so many people do. But Father, that we would put our hearts close to yours, that we would recognize your heartbeat, that we would recognize your desire, and that Father God, that we would no longer be tripped up by those things that get in our way. But may we recognize that you want to do something greater than we've ever seen. Father, we yield ourselves to you this morning and we say, Lord, have your way in us. Lord, break the selfishness that's in us. Lord, destroy those things inside of us that hold us back from serving you with everything we have. Father, whether it's our posture, whether it's how we view things, whether it's our desires. Father, whether it's those, just those things that get in the way in general, I, I pray that, Father, that you would break those things in our lives, that you can do again what you want to do. Lord, we know. We know what your word says. You said it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Father, there's a lot of side issues that can trip us up over time. A lot of side issues that gets in our way. But help us to recognize that we have been called and chosen and appointed to do your will. And to proclaim this gospel in every nation. In every nook and cranny of our country. In every nook and cranny of the countries around us. Father, in every nook and cranny of the world, Father, God, help us. Lord, forgive us 
for running our own pathway. Because Lord, for too many years, we've ran our own pathway. Lord, for too many years, we've chosen to do what fills our pride. Father, as the church, in the world, as individuals, help us to set those things aside and allow you to work in us as you desire. Father, we yield ourselves to you this morning. And we say, God, have your will. Let your will be done. Let it be done in us. We give you thanks, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.